Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford, and we are delighted to have sitting down with us uh, today the 2018 winner of the Theodore Roosevelt Award. That, if you don't know, is the highest award that the NCAA gives each year. And it's, it's designed to recognize somebody who has a background in intercollegiate athletics and that has gone on to significant accomplishment in their professional life. And you could not come up with a better definition of our guest. Captain Barry Wilmore, uh, NASA astronaut, U.S. Navy captain, uh, a, a really fascinating life. And, Captain, we're delighted to have you here with what us. What a pleasure to be here, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Let, let's start off. I, I think when I look at somebody like you who has done so many different things, the, the best place to start in a conversation is at the beginning, okay. which is probably not a bad rule for most things in life. <laughs> let me, let's take you back to, to, to growing up. All right? You're in a little town in Tennessee. Tell me, about, tell me about your family. Tell me about high school and how you became a football player. Oh, wow. My brother was one of the things, like most uh, mm-hmm. kids, an older brother that was doing some things in athletics and playing baseball. And, of course, I wanted to play baseball like him and like mm-hmm. my brother Jack. And uh, we both wanted to play football, but our parents would not let us. Interesting. Because, you know, wait till wait you get to junior high. When right. you get to junior high, you can play. Yeah. Finally, junior high came. My, my mom said the same thing. Oh, is that right? I, I didn't yeah. play tackle football until I was in eighth grade. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, finally, I got the opportunity, and uh, I would ride the bus from my ju- from my elementary school for spring practice at the junior high. I'd stay on the bus and go to the junior high, and finally, uh, out there doing running the drills the first three days. And uh, they the way they they made cuts, I guess, is they they gave out uniforms until there were no uniforms left. And when the uniforms were gone, I was still sitting on the bleachers, did not have a uniform. But the coach goes, "Hey." If you guys, any of you guys, there was like eight of us, and you guys want to stay out, stay out in your shorts and do the drills that you can do and stay out and just be a part of the team, you come on, you stay here. So I did. I wanted to play football bad. I stayed out. About a week and a half goes by, and there's one kid left, and it was me. (laughs) (laughs) One guy still sitting in the shorts in the stand. That was exactly right. So Coach Tommy Martin says, Little Beaver, my my nickname was Beaver because I guess I looked like Jerry Mathers. All right. Little Beaver, you come with me. We're going to get you a uniform. <laughs> so he takes me down to the bowels. By the way, you do look a little bit yeah, like Jerry Mathers. Yeah, I think I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes me down to the bowels of this uh, old gym, and I mean, little water dripping. It's dark, and we go into this, and there was a cage, and he opens the, the, the gate to this cage, and there's some old uniform parts. He pulls out and finds me these extra large pants <laughs> with these huge pads. <laughs> Red shoulder pads. Oh, like I, remember the, I remember, remember the, red, the old red shoulder pads. Yeah. yeah, and the helmet, it was plastic, but it had the elephant ears, little ears that yep. stuck out a little bit. It was still plastic. Mm-hmm. But I had a uniform, and I went out there, I, I, a rope, literally a rope around my waist to hold those pants up so they wouldn't fall. But I had a uniform, and I was absolutely thrilled. I didn't know anything about football, but I was a part of the team. You were where you wanted to be. Yes, sir. Part of the team. Yes, sir. So talk the, about, then, about your high school career. All right, and, and, and as a football player, and, and you know, when, when we look back at our past yeah. and, and we see where we've come, oftentimes we can point to, to, to moments or time sure. periods there. Um, looking back to, to you in high school, both your football and your academics, mm-hmm. tell me about that. Wow. Okay, let's see here. Football. I was small, slow, and weak. <laughs> Not a great combination for football. 
But I don't know. I could go to a place, and it would happen when I would fight with my brother. He, he never wanted me to go to that place where I was just like, oh, let's go get it. And uh, I, could, I did that in football. I mean, I had such a desire to play and do. I mean, even with my physical ineptness, I mean, I could get to the ball somehow, some way. And the coaches noticed that. They gave me an opportunity. That's the big story, I think, opportunity to opportunity. My high school coaches gave me an opportunity. And um, And go back to your junior high school coaches, giving you that old uniform and just giving you the opportunity. Exactly right. And my parents, if my grades had suffered, then there would have been no football. Uh, They were the ones that were pushing and making sure that we, you know, me and my brother both stayed in the books and, and maximized our potential in the classroom. So they were the they were the force behind that. Um, I wanted to play football bad, yeah. and I knew if I didn't keep the, the grades up, then that football would go away. So yeah. there was some motivation there. Best approach that you could have as a parent. Yes, I sir, think. indeed, yeah. indeed. So, so you, you I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step forward a little bit because there's so much to talk with you about. So you end up at walking on at Tennessee Tech. I did. Why did you choose Tennessee Tech? My brother was there. My dad mm-hmm. had been there. My had uncle had been there. Um, so it was the, it was the natural destination for yes, you. Yes, it was a f- the best engineering school in the in the state. It was a state school, so it was better affordable for the parent for our parents, and uh, that's the primary reason I went there for the okay. education. Let's, but let, I wanted to play. Yeah, let's start with the education. Then I'm going to get to the football okay. because it, it was just it's it's a, a marvelous story of your success <laughs> there. So you talk about ed- engineering. Mm-hmm. When did you have a sense? that you thought engineering was the area that you wanted to focus on? That was in high school. I I dated a girl whose dad was a civil engineer. I didn't know anything about engineering. Mm -hmm. I had an uncle, a distant uncle, that we saw fairly regularly that was a civil engineer, and he happened to work with this uh, girl's father. And through that process of just learning about engineering, and it wasn't civil engineering necessarily I was going to strive for, but just engineering what it was about, I, I learned, and it was intriguing, uh, and that that's just the focus that I had. I guess I get caught on to something, I stick yeah. with it. <laughs> so even at that age, 17, 18 years old, you oh, said, yeah. I'm going to be an engineer. This exactly. is what I want to do. Yes, sir. So that that and the family relationships get sure. you to Tennessee Tech. They do. Now, you, you walk on. I saw that when you walked on as a freshman, you were 5'9", 175 pounds. If that. <laughs> and yet you ended up, as a freshman, you ended up starting before an injury sort of knocked you out. How did that happen? Again, I... The good Lord gave me that desire and desires the term to go to that place. And uh, eventually, again, the coaches gave me the opportunity. You know, I walked on. Don Wade was a coach. And Don Wade said something. I mean, he might have said it to a lot of people, but, but he said it to me. Here I'm walking on. He's like, son, and he spit because he, he chewed a lot of the back. <laughs> son, if you want to be, if you stick with this through your senior year, you will become part of a very special fraternity, and you will always be a college football player. Yeah. And that stuck with me. I can't tell you the number of times when I was running those bleachers for the umpteenth time in winter workouts that I'd think, I want to be a college football player sure. forever. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell this story very briefly if you don't mind. No, please. Uh, we ran gassers at the end of practice, mm-hmm. and this was, I think it might have been my senior year. Um, on the, from the sideline to the near hash back, to the mm-hmm. far hash back, to the far sideline and back. Mm-hmm. That was one. We called them ringers because okay. we're running for the ring. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, we ran these for conditioning at the end of practice. And there was one practice where I thought if we run one more ringer, gasser, I'm, I'm going to die. 
it, it will I will it will end right here. I'm going to fall over. I, it's over. And I did not want to hear the coach say on the line because that means you're right. going for another one. Right. So I'm at that point, ready. Thought this was it. The end's coming. On the line is what he says, and we ran another one. On the line, we ran another one. From the point where I thought I was done. Until we finished, we ran seven more gassers. I remember it well. And I tell you, I thought back, I think back to that a lot because if you don't think that type of, of situation makes you mentally, physically, and emotionally stronger. Now, the next day, I had a differential equations test because I was majoring in electrical engineering, mm-hmm. and I had electrical circuits test in the morning the next day. I passed the electrical circuits test. We won't talk about the differential <laughs> equations test. <laughs> but the passage combi- of time, yeah, we don't that, need to remember the com- details. Yeah, that combination, it, the yeah. rigor, and just the, you know, I remember a lot of pain from high school, yeah. I mean from college, right. because it was, it was tough to play college football and to major in electrical engineering. It was tough. Yeah. And I, I guarantee uh, it, it set the foundation for the rest of my life, though. I mean, I, I went places during those years that I didn't know I could go. Yeah. And uh, that paid huge dividends as the years went on. It's went interesting. Off. You talk about the on-the-line story. And, yeah. and um, I, I, I'd seen somebody talk once about here is what you need to learn to be successful in life. You learn to go as far as you can, and then you go a little farther. Exactly right. You know, and that, that's on the line. You know, and those of us have run gassers and, mm-hmm. you know, I had the same experience in college. And, exactly. and, you know, and I go back to an era where I'm a little bit older than you, where they weren't even giving us water in high school. In practice. In college, I got to college. I got to yell. I thinking, remember those days. I, I got to yell and I'm thinking, wow, there's Gatorade and water and, and they had Pepsi and right. Coke. And I'm thinking, this is great. But they still made your work hard for it. That, that on the line kind of thing. Um, so, a, again, I, I, I want people to understand this because... You, you tend to, to as, as I think people who, who have a great deal to be proud of tend to be more humble than others. So you walk on at 5'9", 175, get, start as freshman, get hurt, come back. And as a senior, you end up leading the team in tackles, 143 tackles, still number three in history. 143 tackles, it would hard to do, it'd be hard to do that in practice every day. So when you talk about what you accomplished, and I think it probably goes back to what you said before, that you'd probably be the first person to say, you know, you weren't the biggest guy, you weren't the fastest guy, mm-hmm. you were in on 143 tackles mm-hmm. in a seat. How does that happen? That is a great question, Jack. Again, it's the good Lord um, giving opportunity, coaches giving opportunity, coaches training, uh, teaching how to handle this situation, preparing. Uh, obviously, we prepared a study, film study. I mean, all the people that are playing sports now understand this. And, and putting yourself in the position where they line up in a, in, a, in a certain, you know, setup, you know what they're running just by how they're lining up. And, I, and, I, and you start running towards that spot. And that's one way. So it's good preparation by some great coaches. That, you know, one thing, you probably don't know this. Guess who my position coach was? Who? Gary Patterson. The really? The TCU head coach was your position coach? <laughs> he was my position coach. He was, was his first right? job out of college. Was he as crazy then on the sidelines with the hat and everything that he is <laughs> he now? He hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually dynamic. probably a good thing. That yeah, hasn't yeah, That's reinforcing dynamic. to yeah, learn that. Indeed. So you end up then working hard, having this, this, this outstanding 
college career. You're in your college hall of fame. You've got an honorary degree from the college in addition to your, your regular degree and a master's degree from them. And, and you decide, and, and I think it's a perfect illustration of how sports can be a platform Mm-hmm. for extraordinary success afterwards. So mm-hmm. you decide now that you want to be a Navy pilot. Right. How does that happen? Patriotic tug, do my mm-hmm. part for my country. I'd had it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're at that crossroads. Okay, here's the point. Do I do this or do I go another route? And it was a tough decision. But I can tell this story real quick. Yeah. My, my dad was not in favor of it. You worked hard. You got an electrical engineering degree. He wasn't mm-hmm. excited about me joining the military. And I wish your listeners could see me do this. My brother has been the biggest cheerleader I've, I've had my entire life. And while dad's behind him, upset that I'm leaving, not, not, not mad, but right. just crying, you know, because right. I'm leaving. As a dad. I'm going, I, I mean, yeah, it's a father's I'm reaction. Leaving. Yeah, yeah, I'm leaving, going, to the, going into the Navy. And my brother's in front of him, so he, my dad can't see him. He's going, go, go, <laughs> as he's pumping his arm, right. go. Go. I mean, he's not saying, he's just mouthing. Right. And it, I, it was something I had to do. Yeah. I, that patriotic tug was overwhelming, and I had to do it. I had to do it. Now, sometimes people, and, and following that, that patriotic tug, they'll get in, they'll, they'll, they'll do their time, they'll contribute, and then they'll go off to other things. Yeah. But, but you stayed. I did. Why? It was still there. Yeah. It hadn't diminished at all. Um, Training for and operating from the pointy end of the spear, as we call it, mm-hmm. there's a certain sense of personal satisfaction that I've not been able to get anywhere else because I'm a big proponent of this nation. You know, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I believe that. And it takes us all together to make that happen. We're not perfect as a nation now. We still have some things that we need to do to get ourselves in line to where we are truly equal. And uh, to be a part of that process, um, this was one small way that I felt like I could continue to do my part and uh, go forward. And until the Navy says, thank you for your service, <laughs> you have reached the limit. <laughs> <laughs> but before they said that, I mean, you were involved in, a, in an awful lot. Um, uh, talk about combat missions um, yes. in the Gulf War. Mm-hmm. When when you're there, when you're when you're in the cockpit of a of a plane and it's a combat mission, I'm 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 sure that uh, you talk about the pointy end of the spear. Mm-hmm. You know, so much comes to focus right. on that pointy end, and I would suspect that a, a, an awful lot of certainly, you know, your your upbringing. But how about your your football? How how did that do you think contribute in in some fashion? to your capacity, essentially, as a combat pilot? That's easy. On the line. Yeah. Right back on the yeah, line. Yeah, right back on the line. You're done. It's over. you got to reach deeper because it's either go or die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's true. The combination of college athletics and the rigors of the classroom combined, I mean, that— it's not just it wasn't just the foundation for me. Those years right after high school set the foundation for just about everybody's life as it goes forward, and it certainly was a mainstay in mine. And that type of I've been there. I've gone beyond because I had to. I can do it again. Let's press forward. So honestly, that's that that played a huge role in it. 
has and continues to. So, so once again, you 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 have this great success, a leader as a as a pilot uh, in the Navy. Uh, and, and at some point in time, now all of a sudden, the calling becomes NASA, an astronaut. <laughs> and it was literally a calling. As, as I understand it, it was a phone call. That, you get a phone t- call, yes. tell, tell me the story about how, how, how you then made that transition. Yeah. You know, I, part of it was I wanted to honor my parents. Uh, they put a lot of effort into me and into my college education and um, – you know, I had an electrical engineering degree. I had a master's degree in electrical engineering. I had a master's degree in aviation systems. And I wanted to use that schooling to the best way I could within the military. And the test pilot program was the way I felt best to be able to do that. So I applied. I got accepted to the test pilot program, went through the training, did flight test. And at that point, you know, you kind of have the wickets hit. College education, mm-hmm. uh, STEM ty- uh, background, mm-hmm. you know, major in electrical engineering, uh, advanced degree, test pilot training, and uh, you can't fly any ha- fi- higher and faster than a space shuttle at the time. Right. So I thought, well, let's, let's try that. Let's, yeah. let's make application and see, uh, see if that's a possibility yeah. because that's certainly intriguing. I mean, goodness. I mean, um, so I did. I, I did that. I made application. I got an interview. John Young, who just passed away. He just passed away, ago. yeah, just yeah. very recently. He was the chief of the board, and you know, my Navy call sign was Butch. Right. So uh, I sit down. He says, Butch. A former Navy pilot as well, right. Captain. Butch, you know what we want. Start talking. Tell us about yourself. Uh-huh. So I did that. And I went through the process. They did a background check. means they were looking at me. And uh, so it was getting close to going on deployment. I was going to go on another deployment. Or I was going to move to Houston and start a whole new job doing this. Mm-hmm. And I got the phone call from the wrong guy. <laughs> Dwayne Ross was the chief of the selection office. And if he calls you, you don't get selected. Really? If the chief of the astronaut office calls you, you got selected. So what did you think when you were told I, you got I the call? This is Dwayne Ross. Yeah, I was in an F-18 squadron. I came in from flying, and the duty officer, the guy that's sitting in the duty desk, says, Hey, Butch, some dude from NASA called you uh, Dwayne Ross. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so three days later, literally three days later, I leave on deployment and uh, head off to sea for six months. I was newly married at the time. So I uh, separated from my wife. It was a wonderful deployment. It was marvelous. Um, that different again, operating from the point end of the sphere. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd make one more application, and I did. Got called for an interview. John Young, still chief of the board. Butch, <laughs> tell us, <laughs> go ahead, start. And uh, so I did that. Went through again. Got the background check. I'm actually on exchange to the Air Force as an instructor at Air Force Test Pilot School by this right. point. And I come in from flying. And the duty officer again goes, Butch, some dude from NASA called you. <laughs> His name's uh, Charlie Precourt. Ah. Charlie Precourt was the chief of the astronaut office. All right. This is point. the call you wanted That's to get. That's the one you want to get. I'm like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And here we go. And there you went. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I've interviewed in the past a, a number of astronauts. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's a fascinating conversation to have. Just because you know we're earthbound, you know, and and the notion of you know of uh, you know slip the bounds right and and go to a place where very few people have ever gone yes, yet as long as as man has existed, mm-hmm. it's a place where where mankind has looked up and said, "I right. wonder." Right. All right. 
So tell me about the first time you go into space. And, and, and wow. I mean, do you have, look, you're working. I guess people, I mean, you're, you're working, working. You're when you're on this flight. Yes, you're busy. You're not just sitting there mm-hmm. kind of enjoying this fly no, like sir. you're on a Disney World ride. <laughs> That's <all right>? true. <laughs> but did, was there a moment where something said to you, oh, my. Oh, I, yeah, many. But the first, um, I piloted Atlantis, STS-129, had been training for several years, and countdown, launch happens, and, and you're literally leaving the planet. And I was, at that point, I was the 505th human to leave the planet. I mean, in all of human history, wow. 505th person to launch and leave the planet. I mean, that itself is uh, very humbling. But we get, finally, go through the whole process, burns and and separation, solid rocket boosters separate. We finally, the main engine's cut off. We separate from the external tank, and it releases a lot of water vapor, mm-hmm. and it initially, immediately crystallizes into ice crystals. And so I look out my window, and I've got thousands of ice crystals that are illuminated from a sun that's behind us, thousands out here, and the reaction control system jets in the nose of the space shuttle were on the primaries, which is 870 pounds of thrust for the first two hours. Then you switch to the verniers, which in comparison, this is maintain attitude, right. which are 24 pounds of thrust. You can't hardly hear them fire. But initially, you're on the primaries. Boom! I mean, this explosion's at my feet. And this big orange blast are coming up right outside the front window where I'm sitting. And I, so I got all these diamonds, blasts going off. <laughs> I'm in zero gravity for the first time. And I'm like, wow. Literally, literally the most humbling moment of my life. Because there's a lot of people would have liked to have their body sitting in that seat, mm-hmm. and it was me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why me? Mm-hmm. Why did why did I get to do this? Yep. Honestly, that was I, I could go back there now, close my eyes, and I'm there, yeah. and it's just still I get the same feeling. Goodness, wow! Of all the people, why me? So you get to spend 11 days, right? right? And 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 um, as the shuttle pilot, that's in 2009, and you get to go back up again. But this time to the International Space Shuttle. Space Station. Space Station, I'm yeah. sorry. International mm-hmm. Space Station. Mm-hmm. And that, again, as I think as compelling as the story is of, of, of sort of blasting off into space, the notion of living in space yeah. is, is so intriguing. It is. Talk about, um, uh, first of all, did you have any reservations at all? Oh, about Because no. you, you, no. you ended up spending, what, 167 days there? Yeah, almost, any six, reservations almost, at all? almost six months. Yeah. No, no, none at all. Matter of fact, I got the phone call from the chief of the office at the time. Hey, Butch, uh, what do you think about uh, launching on a Soyuz training and uh, being the commander of Expedition 42? I'm like, wow. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, on the line. Yeah, on the line. On the line. Because <laughs> it's training all around the globe in yeah. Japan and Russia and, and Germany. I mean, in the United States, it's everywhere for two and a half years, which is great and fascinating, but it's busy. Mm-hmm. And on the line, yeah, here we go. Um, but to, to be there, I thought I had experienced space on the space shuttle mission. I was way wrong. How, how do you mean that? I thought I've been there. I felt the weightlessness. Mm-hmm. It was busy. The most the most time I got to stick my nose in the window for for one period of time was 20 minutes during that 11 day mission because it was busy, 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 busy the whole time. You get to experience space when you live there for six months. I mean, I could stick my nose in the window for three hours on a Sunday because we don't have anything scheduled. You know, after right. the first six weeks, we were scheduled. I didn't get a weekend for the first six weeks I was there just because of the timing. But eventually, you run work a normal week and you get some time off and. I mean, to look back at this planet and see the amazing just beauty of it all and realize where you're at, 
Is a part of it almost incomprehensible? It is. It is. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to fill all the time, but I, I got one quick story I can yeah, tell. Yeah, please. You. you know, I was the first shuttle pilot in recent in the recent era. We didn't. The pilots didn't do spacewalks. Pilots, commanders, because it was it's risky. So we had mission specialists that did that. But when the shuttle ended in 2011, it opened up to everybody. So I was the first person that piloted the shuttle to actually do a spacewalk at the mm-hmm. space station. I did four. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing. I'm on a spacewalk, and I'm working. I'm on the mid part of the station. I go around a corner, and I go around, and there's a a radiator right in front of me. Now. Radiator. We have huge radiators on the trusses out there that, that dispel heat. You know, it's a big computer the space station mm-hmm. is, and, and avionics build up heat. We got different um, liquid loops that pull that heat out and, mm-hmm. and transfer it to the radiators, which you know eject it out into the into the vacuum of space. So I go around the corner, and there's a radiator there that was used early in, in the build of the of the as we were constructing the space station. I knew it was there. What I did not know is that it was completely reflective, like a mirror. Mm-hmm. So I go around the corner and boom, from head to toe, there I am in this spacewalk and in the spacesuit. And I'm like, wow, that's you. Yeah. I, you know, I'm in the suit, I can see my hands, but I'm looking at myself from head to toe in the spacesuit. And I go, wow. And I look back and the solar rays gold and, the, you know, it's gold and that's against the silver of the station and the black of space and the beauty of the blue earth below. And I look back at that guy <laughs> and then I look down and literally there goes Hawaii. What? We're traveling 17, you know, five miles a second, 17,500 miles an hour. And there goes Hawaii below me. Do you feel that at all? Do you feel any sense of movement? When you look when down, you, you do. You do. But sure. when you're out there. No, nah. no. Because you're in a vacuum. You can't feel. It's not right. you know, obviously not a breeze in the sea. Right. So I look down, I see, I see a Y. I look back at that dude <laughs> staring back <laughs> at me in that, in that mirror, and I'm like, how did you get here? <laughs> let, how let did ask, you get here? Let, let me ask about, <laughs> about that, that notion of, of uh, a spacewalk. Yeah. Because uh, as extraordinary as, as you know, piloting the shuttle is and then being in when you're, you're in the, the space station and you're in space, but in, in some ways you're still encapsulated. Yeah, you are. Right? So, so yeah, you're space, seeing well, it from the outside. It's a one-man space capsule. Yeah, it's shaped but, like a man. Yeah. But when you first come come out of that shuttle, and you say to yourself, "Now, I am barely tethered to my world. I'm another satellite." Yeah. <laughs> what? I, I mean, what do you remember thinking? I'm another, another satellite. satellite. <laughs> and boy, um, I hope this tether is strong let enough. Go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've said this before. Um, you know, astronauts today don't get the notoriety that astronauts did decades ago. I mean, right. you don't, we're not, house, they're not, not household names. Right. They don't know our names. And that's f- absolutely fine. But if you want to get famous, mess something up on a spacewalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a tough way to get famous. You yeah, probably prefer your anonymity. Yeah, that's kind of the back that. of your mind, too. Don't mess this up here. <laughs> so uh, last question for you. It's just fabulous story and a, and a fabulous life um, and and. You know, such great successes in everything you've done. You're kind, Jack. Thank you. Yeah. If, if as, a, as a former football player, I'll ask you this question, which is, how did football fit into all of this, do you think? I, I, like Don Wade, like my coach Wade said, you know, I, I went through my senior year. I'm a college football player. Yeah. And the story I told about on the line, that's the, you know, it molds character. It, that period of your life molds the discipline. I mean, it sets the foundation. You know, I can go back and say, I've been here. I've done things that are harder than this. I can push through. I can do that. 
And and I, I honestly don't think that my life plays out like it's played out if I didn't have those experiences back during those molding years that are so crucial, not just to me, but to, but to many. So I, I truly, I truly believe that. Well, I, I got to tell you, it, it's a real delight to talk with you. I've talked to a lot of people over 30 years in journalism, <laughs> and there are a select few that I'm <laughs> impressed by, and you're, you're one of them. You, you know, this, this so notion of, of the ability, you know, to, to take your life and exceed everything that, that is thrown at you, wow. to deal with it and get past it. And, and I am from now on going to ad- adopt your on-the-line on the story line. because nothing, <laughs> you know, if you're a football player, you know exactly what you're talking about. And I think nothing better expresses the values yeah. you know, of this country and success and, yeah, yeah. and what you need to strive for than the notion yeah. on the line. Barry, this is a real pleasure, and congratulations to you yeah. on the Theodore Roosevelt oh, my. Award. Thank you so much. You, Thank be, you, you be well. Thank you. Yeah. That does it for us for this very special and enjoyable edition of the College Sports Insider. Um, We're glad you're able to join us. I'm Jack Ford, and we will look forward to talking with you again real soon. 